0: Welcome to the Liberal Europe Podcast, the European Libre Project. I'm your host, Ricardo Silvestre. On this episode, it's my pleasure to bring you back to the podcast, Matthias Chandin. Matthias has been a recurring guest with the first episode, and that was number 24, about how to bring the future sooner. Then on episode 84, we talk about the future of political debate online, and then the future of mobility on episode 88. So you see a trend here. This time, Matthias will talk to me about the great idea that Warp Institute had, and this is the institute where Matthias is the executive chairman, to ask the Swedish political parties in the last election cycle What were their optimistic takes on the future and how is that reflected on their political programs? We also go into why some political parties invest in scaring their voters with doom and gloom messages. And after our conversation, I'll be back to tell you about some of the events organized by ELF for this month of March. I'm here with our Scandinavian correspondent our frequent flyer and resident optimist, Mr. Matthias Shandin. Matthias how are you? <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. Um, how are you? I'm doing very well. It's good to have you back on the podcast. I invited Matthias to come back because you had a tremendous idea that I was very jealous of, and I wanted you to tell the story to our listeners. But before that, uh, some of our and um, usual listeners know you by now and know the work you do, uh, particularly with the Warp Institute. So tell us how are things been lately for you?
1: Pretty good. Um, on a personal level, uh, our our uh, our son started preschool. So now everyone warned us and said, you know, you're going to be home sick. He's going to be sick or you're going to be sick or everyone's going to be sick more than you're going to be uh, healthy. And that's been the case since October. But now (laughs) we are all healthy. (laughs) So that's good. That's good. Um, And um, on the professional side, uh, Warp Institute and and Warp News um, keeps progressing. Minor for the world, but major for me was that uh, Steven Pinker uh, became a a paying member here uh, a little bit more than than a month ago. Um, So, uh, and he's like, he's really one of the intellectual heroes for. For the for our movement, you know, of fact-based optimism, uh, his book uh, or several of his books, but especially the the latest one, uh, Enlightenment, now uh, sort of the very strong intellectual framework for for our view of of the world. So having him as a as a paying member and as a reader, uh, it's both exhilarating and a little bit intimidating.
0: <laughs> well, another thing for me to be very jealous of. Please ask him to come to our podcast. And I also noticed that now. The Warp Institute actually has a TV show. Tell us about it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're testing
1: out these um, all these AI tools. They're they're they are really progressing uh, fast, both text and, and video and audio and all that. So, so now you can put together. Um, uh, you know, we record it uh, with a, so far with a human being as the voice. <laughs> But uh, it's, it's some, some sort of animated, um, animated uh, animating tool uh, that, we, that we use for, we use it on, on TikTok and, and YouTube and Twitter and, you know, so call it Warp News, uh, the Warp News Report. So, so we're testing it out. Um, it's amazing all these tools now. It's really, really helping us uh,
0: be more creative uh, in different ways. So it, it, it's amazing. By the end of our conversation, you're going to direct our listeners to all these new endeavors that you have. But let's go into the reason why I asked you to come uh, to the podcast again, and that is to talk about the idea you had to ask Swedish political parties to give an optimistic vision of the future of the country, not only of Sweden, but you can imagine you would ask the entire planet and how can they include that idea on their governance and and their uh, political ideas to offer to the electorate? First of all, how did that come about, that idea of yours?
1: There were two main reasons. One is my own <clears throat> background in politics, especially the, the later years I... I met a lot of people uh, in in tech and science and, and people uh, using these kind of tools uh, every day. Um, and I felt stronger and stronger optimism around those things. And I started talking about that with my, my colleagues in my party and in other parties. Um, and I also said, uh, I really tried to convince the, the leader of, of my party to you know have this optimistic vision of of the future uh, of course we should also talk about short term problems but we should have an optimistic view of the future and a vision for for the country and you know um but the the feedback i got or the pushback i got was that yeah but well, you know politics has to be a has to be a has to be a, a conflict we, you have to be uh you know arguing mm-hmm. debating and i said try go around being very optimistic <laughs> about the future you're going to have a lot of arguments <laughs> uh so there's going to be a lot of debate but no they didn't really buy um buy that but i felt it's that that could be good from a voter perspective i think um not everyone um uh, not getting 100% of the vote, but you know uh i was in a the liberal party party in sweden is tiny so so um uh from a voter perspective, but I also think there's, um, uh, it's important that politicians have this kind of vision for the future. So that was one reason, my background in politics. And then um, in, in September, we had an election in Sweden, so there was, an, uh, of course, an election campaign. And that campaign was even more free of the future and optimism than usual. It was extremely focused on... Very short-term problems. They they competed even more than usually in, in describing Sweden, especially, but the world, uh, all the problems, and that everything is going to hell, um, and, and we're going to fix this. But no one had even an inkling of what to do after fixing these short short short-term um, problems. So I felt we need to do something about this. At least offer them the chance to
0: to tell whatever vision they have of the future. Before we get into then the results of this initiative, uh, let's drill a little more into this because you just mentioned there's a little short-sightedness and I, I think we see that across almost every political spectrum. It's just what, what are the needs today and tomorrow. So tell us why it's important then to think 10 years from now, 15 years from now, because this is your area. I know that you're passionate about this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, uh, like I said, of course, uh, every every politician, uh, every leader has a responsibility to fix whatever problems there are right now. They can't be ignored um, in, in any way. Of course not. Uh, but there also has to be a parallel track of first asking us ask the question, why are we going to fix these problems? Of course, of course, we're getting rid of the problems. But then what? Where, where are we heading as a country or as... Um, um, for Europe or for the world? You know, where are we heading? And especially for, for the leaders of the political parties or politicians that want to get elected, what goals do they have for, for their city, for their country, uh, for the EU, for whatever it is they're running for? Um, what, what 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 goals do they have? In what direction do they want to lead us? Mm-hmm. And if they mm-hmm. can present that... <clears throat> That's that's an important test to see uh, the quality of the leader uh, because I think a really good leader has has a goal a vision a mission uh, something, um, but it's also of course uh, important for uh, for for voters to see to see that and also of course buy into support wherever whatever vision. Um, uh, and debate and discuss uh, where we should be heading with the, uh, with your country or city or or whatever, and I think that kind of visions can also um, create less division uh, between um, people. Of course, there will be many competing visions going in different uh, directions, but um, when you only focus on the short term problems, it's it's so easy to become very divisive and you know. St- stab each other. Um, when, you de- mm-hmm. when you debate the future, you can, like I said, you can have very, very different visions, and you can argue about them, I and mean, you should in politics, of course. Uh, but still, you're moving forward. Uh, you have something to look forward to, something to fight for. And that's the part of optimism. If you see a bright, a mm-hmm. bright if you can imagine a brighter future, you want to fight for that. You want to work hard for that. You want to, you know. So I think it's important that leaders should have a goal. A leader
0: without a goal, well, that's not really a leader. Yeah, it's just a manager. For some of our listeners, they may be thinking, but it, there is a good example, which is environment. We're always thinking about 2035, 2050. Do you think this is a good parallel? This is something of a blueprint to other policies?
1: Absolutely. That kind of forward focus now, that's a very often pretty negative. Uh, We're talking about environment, fixing, fixing problems. Of course, we have to fix them. But also, that's a case where where I think at least most people are possible to have two thoughts in their head. One is, for if you talk about climate, for example, one is that we should fix this problem. It's a real problem, and we should fix it as soon as possible. There's mm-hmm. nothing to wait for. But it usually stops there, and many people think, when we have fixed this problem, the world, okay, we've fixed this problem, that's good, mm-hmm. but the world I live in is going to be worse. I can't travel. Um, Or you know whatever I want to do is going to be super expensive. I can't eat meat, and you know, and people—that's a future many people doesn't don't look forward to. But I think that um, when we when we move to a society with clean energy and an abundance of energy, for example, and and a a totally climate um, friendly environment, um, that means that. We're going to be able to travel more uh, and and much cheaper, but um, not um, without spewing out uh, tons of CO2 emissions uh, all the time. So I think that's a case where you have to really present yes, yes, solve this problem as soon as possible, make this future come sooner, this environmentally friendly future. Uh, but that is also going to create uh, a better world. Um, yeah, so. So uh, the the future focus is good in the environment and and um, and and it's fine to target different dates, uh,
0: twenty thirty five or whatever. Um, that's that's good. But it but um, so we can absolutely learn from that. Then we get into the mechanics uh, exactly as you were explaining before, which is all right. How do we get there how How can we make this that it's at the same time corresponding to people's expectations and people' comfort and and the needs of of daily life? so let's get to what were the outcomes of this initiative um, I follow them because I know them <laughs> i I follow you on Twitter and I thought it was interesting that you were like giving. Uh, reports of what was going on. But can you can you summarize this then for our listeners? Who replied, what they replied about, um, why some of the parties didn't reply? Do you have an idea on that?
1: Yeah, so what we offered them was that we said that on Warp News, you get Unlimited space uh, in in one text to tell the voters about your vision, your optimistic vision uh, for the future um, of, of of Sweden, or whatever you want to uh, you know talk about in the in the election. That's a pretty generous offer and we have we have a community of about 50,000 people, not all Swedes, but uh, the majority are are Swedes um, and they have friends. And, you know, so it's, 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 a, it's a decent uh, sized group of people that you want to influence, you know, and you get take how much space you want. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell us, tell us what you what you uh, tell the voters what you what you want. So that was what what we offered them. Oh, we only got, and we offered it to the, the parties that are in parliament, the eight parties. Uh, and we only got two um, responses or two texts um, produced. Um, uh, a couple of, of the parties said no immediately the Left Party and the Social Democratic Party, they just said, no, we're not interested. Uh, the others didn't even respond, <laughs> and I even reached out. To, you know, I, of course, I've been in politics. I know many of the people in the other parties. I reached out to them, but I didn't even get a response, uh, which was kind of weird. So uh, the Liberal Party and the Green Party, they were they were okay or, or, or pretty good, uh, uh, I, I think, and uh, they did a did a decent job. The thing is that uh, almost every party has has optimistic things they think about the future if they dive into whatever documents they have. Uh, but they never, ever put them together in a, in a sort of combined vision. So it took, very, took a very long time for them to produce these articles. You know, it took weeks. Uh, to, when they said yes, it took several weeks to actually get yeah. the text. If I would have said, hey, I want a I text about gang violence, they, they were like, yeah, we have three. We can send you right away. Yeah. Uh, but this took weeks to produce. Uh, and I think that was the problem for for the other parties. Some of them, the, the, the Sweden mm-hmm. Democrats, I, they, I guess they don't want to. Uh, they would don't want to have an optimistic um, vision of, of <laughs> Sweden's future. Maybe I don't know, but that's my guess. Uh, but many of the others felt like, okay, this is a pretty tough job. We have to spend many hours on this, so we, we we're not going to prioritize that. Um, so when I published this on. On, on Twitter that we only haven't gotten two replies. Um, uh, the Pirate Party, who's not in Parliament, they reached out and say, "Hey, uh, can we write a piece?" Uh, uh, and I said, "Sure, why not?
0: Uh, you know, <laughs> if you want to do it, uh, you know, fine." Uh, so so we got so, so so they also. Let's stay here a little more because you already partly answered the question, which is maybe some of the political parties thought well, this is too much work for 50-plus thousand people. (laughs) But I imagine that others maybe haven't thought about it. Do you have an intuition of that? Do you think that it was just laziness or lack of time because also it it was a a period that was leading to elections? Or do you think, and you know political parties well, as you mentioned just a minute ago, or do you think that this will be... Quite of a shock for some of the people that got the email, thinking, "Oh, we don't we we actually have nothing to say about that." Exactly. That, that's. Um, I, I think that's that is definitely part of
1: it. It's like we don't have any pre-produced answer to this in in whatever way. So, and the parties who did did respond had to really look through. a sort of. Stayed in touch with them and sort of reminded them and asked them, you know, is this the text coming before the election? <laughs> it's like, uh, and they were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> looking through all the documents here and you know, trying to find whatever it is that we, you know, positive things about the future. And and like I said, there there are uh, every every political party has something, um, but it's never put together in in one vision. So and they probably mm-hmm. also felt that okay, uh, this might have to go up to the top, uh, the top leadership here if this is something new, since they don't have a position on the future, or at least not an optimistic position on the future. It has to go up to the leadership. Is it worth it right now? The election is in, you know, six weeks. Should we blah, blah, blah? Uh, You know, so is this part of our strategy? We don't know. Do we dare to ask anyone? I'm not sure. You know, I, i and. The, the parties that did respond, I reached out to, uh, of course, uh, my own uh, old party, the Liberal Party. I, I, of course, know a lot of people there, so I, I talk to people pretty high up um, there. And um, from the Green Party, uh, a guy who I was colleagues with in, in Parliament before, he's the He's the leader of, of the Green Party in in Parliament now, so he saw this and, and and reacted. So he he was in a position to make a decision. Yes, we should do this, um, okay. you know. So, but the other part is a little bit lower down, where they were okay. not, um, you mm-hmm. know. Yeah, so um, um, I, I probably created a lot of problems for people with that email. It's like a lot of work, and who's going to decide this? And do we even have web vision? No, where is it? You know. <laughs>
0: I would like to go back into something that you just said a minute ago, and that is about at least the perspective that for the Sweden Democrats, pessimism sells. So they, they can present this package to the voters of saying this is all gloom and doom. How do Swedes react to that? Do you have, do you have a perspective on how the electorate, because I think this connects to other countries and we'll go there in a minute. But in Sweden in particular, we've been seeing the Sweden Democrats uh, rising on the polls. And of course, it has to do with, with politics and policy. But you think that people naturally, the electorate naturally reacts to this kind of perspective that everything is bad and it's going to get worse?
1: Part of the electorate, and especially the electorate that, uh, that the Swedish Democrats are, are speaking to, um, feel that you know they painted this picture of um, Sweden is heading in, in the wrong direction, uh, mm-hmm. and that is because of, of immigrants, and the other parties are naive, and they want to mm-hmm. have even more immigrants coming into the country, so it's going to be even worse, um, and the Sweden Democrats are going to stop this, and uh, they're there, if they mm-hmm. would have had... It would have an optimistic vision, or whatever. Uh, it, it could be something that, for me, would be <laughs> pretty, pretty horrible. Uh, you know, oh, here's a country where everyone has are blonde and blue-eyed and uh, happy. Uh, you know, so uh, that's not not what they're presenting. Um, uh, but. Um, I think at least that part of the electorate reacts well to that that kind of pessimism. And I think also that was the uh, the moderate party that was absolutely there. They came into the this election with that view as well. Um they they try to, you know, peel back voters from the from the Sweden Democrats and and you know, focus very very uh, much on short-term problems and and stopping immigration and so yeah, and and even the the party leader uh, Ulf Kristorsson who's now the prime minister he said in his, in his um, sort of kickoff for the election in, in the summer that I've, I've talked to thousands of voters and no one, no one I've ever met has asked me for a grand vision of, of Sweden in the future. It's like, okay, he hasn't met me. I know he hasn't met me. <laughs> I met him, uh, so we've forgotten about that. Uh, but um, there are people out there. It's not like people want – a vision could easily become just a lot of – Nice words, of course, but that's not what people are asking for. But, you know, a goal Mm -hmm. for for the country, uh, if he he has missed Mm -hmm. that, that's a a real real problem.
0: Yeah, because the interesting thing in here, and allow me to editorialize just for a minute, the the funny thing in here is that actually they do have that negative outcomes, but then they do promise that things will get great again. So it's kind of a trick they play. No, exactly.
1: Make whatever uh, great again. Uh, if we just but it's we'll, we'll we'll get there by going backwards in some way um that that would make everything great if we can just erase the last decades and <laughs> move okay. back uh, of course
0: i don't believe i don't believe that but that's the maybe okay. the closest
1: thing to a vision for
0: that kind of parties well, you had the idea. You were a little disappointed with the outcome, and naturally so. Do you intend to repeat this? Like, for example, giving more time instead of those six weeks. Maybe you can start this kind of idea like a year before. Are you guys uh, thinking about doing that?
1: Absolutely, we um, we are not um, giving up. I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna <laughs> torture them until I squeeze some optimism <laughs> out of them. Um, so, so yeah, um, and, and I think um, elections are, are one thing. Of course, they should get the opportunity done, uh, but it's also very important to start talking early about these things so they actually also have a chance of having a. They don't have an optimistic vision, which they obviously don't. Let's give them the chance until the next election to come up with some, ask them questions, give them opportunities, and maybe they could you know, be convinced that, okay, Maybe it's good to have an optimistic vision. Um mm-hmm. and we should have some ideas mm-hmm. around this. And you know, there's at least a part of the electorate. I think it's probably big, but even if it's small, it's it's uh, there are thousands of voters out there, uh, out there. Um and it's not just for Sweden, of course. Um we wanna do this in, in uh in many countries. Um so 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 yeah, absolutely we're gonna keep harassing the politicians mm. for this.
0: Then let let me ask you a question so that people that are listening to this and you just said that this model can be exported to other countries. I would be, for example, quite interested to apply it in my own country. Do you think that there are ways to expand this even more? Like, for example, could you make a protocol with a big newspaper or a big radio show or a big TV, like TV news? Do you think that this is something that you can have also on your horizon? Absolutely,
1: that's really part of our our optimistic vision for, for the future is both that we we do this in in you know all over the world, um, but especially want to inspire others to to do it. And I think it takes when when you sort of if I if I look back the last four years here in in, in Sweden um, uh, and how journalists have asked. Politicians' questions. It's it's a repetition of the same questions over and over and over and over. And in in Sweden, has been the major question has been, who are you going to mm. govern with after the election? Are the Sweden Democrats mm. going to be part of that? And that's 50% of what they ask. It takes um, some imagination from journalists and media companies and others mm-hmm. to break out of this and at least ask one question. Okay, what's your optimistic vision for for the future of Sweden or something other, you know, what opportunities do you see with AI blah blah, blah you know whatever it is uh, ask something from the, the another perspective. These kind of questions are <clears throat> from from journalists are so uncommon. It's a real opportunity to stand out from the crowd even if it's just one question um, so yeah. the same goes for political parties if you have something optimistic to say you really stand out from the rest of the crowd it doesn't sound like everyone else, but that goes for journalists or moderators at events or wherever yeah. there are opportunities to ask these kind of questions um, uh, and since it, especially if you have a politician on stage or in your interview or whatever uh, they are very very um, skilled at answering the same questions they get all the time, of course. But if you ask them something completely new, you're probably gonna get an interesting response uh, out of that. So your event, your news article, your interview, whatever it is, it's going to be more interesting. I promise you. Even if they fail completely, that's interesting in responding. Or they may maybe they have something really interesting to say. They you know, and many people, many politicians do. Uh, I know them. <laughs> you know, they think about the, and that's so sad because they, why do you become um, a politician? Why do you run for office or, or whatever? Well, it's because you are concerned about some things. You want to change some things, but you also have this kind of optimism that things can, can improve. Um, so I think it's it's under there. Uh, if you dig, it, dig a little bit, um, it's, they easily forget it or soon forget it when they become politicians because there's, they're in this circle of, or spiral of, of pessimism. Uh, But if we just ask them the questions, uh, I think some interesting
0: things are going to come out of it. As we are getting into the end of our time, you guys do an amazing work at Warp Institute and you just mentioned Warp News and now you have Warp Television. So uh, tell our listeners, please, where they can follow your work and, and get involved. You know, all the optimists by nature, which is pretty much one of the liberal tenets. So tell us where can people go and find your work?
1: Yeah, so we are at warpnews.org um, and the institute you'll find at warpinstitute.org, and of course we are uh, on on social media. You can follow me on social media. I'm mostly mostly active on on, on Twitter. Uh, it's my just my name, Matthias Sundin, um, so you can follow, follow me, me there. Um, but the the number one tip I would say the easiest way to to follow us um, and and also get a dose of Optimism every week is our free uh, free newsletter. It comes out every every Thursday, mm-hmm. uh, so you'll get um, an op-ed, an Optimist Edge article, and and some optimistic news on science, tech, and and
0: human progress. Well, I've been talking with Matthias Schindin he is our main source of optimism here in the podcast also and i'm always very very happy to have you here for this fa- fantastic conversations that we always have so thank you so much for talking to me
1: oh thank you very much for having me
0: I'm back. Just remind you that you can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. And if you feel like it, give us a five-star review. In that way, you can help us spread even more liberal values and ideas. And now for some of the events organized by ELF for this month of March, from the 24th to the 26th at the Hotel Bonavona Park in Barcelona, and an organization with ELF Secretariat, Fidrich Nauen Foundation and LIMEC we have the event Building a Vision, Young Changemakers Academy 2023. This is a program aiming to prepare young people to take an active part in their respective communities and to shape their future in policy areas. This will be done with seminars and networking support. And as we often say here in the podcast, particularly with our guests from LIMEC, This is a very important event in a way to mobilize young liberals to be more participant in the political process and with that, help shape the future of the European Union. And this is all for now. I'll be back soon with more podcasts. Until then, let's keep making the world a better place. This podcast is produced by the European Liberal Forum, co-founded by the European Parliament and have the support of the social liberal movement think tank in Portugal and Liberty Foundation in Poland. The views expressed herein are those of the speakers alone and these views do not necessarily reflect those of the European Parliament and or the European Liberal Forum.